Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go behind the mask. And I'm going to give my two cents. Two, how you feeling today, bro? I'm feeling awesome, baby. How you feeling? Week one of the National Football League season has opened up. And you asked me how I was feeling, man. And I got to be honest with you, like, like for real, like I, I was, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for such a long time. The reason why is this: I really didn't realize how depressed <laughs> I've been until my daughter told me in July. She walked by and she said, "Daddy, I feel sorry for you." And I was like, "Man, what you talking about? What you feeling sorry for me for?" She said, "Look at you. You don't even watch TV." She was like. Since basketball is over and baseball is the only thing that's on, like you just sit around and you don't do anything but just look at the laptop all day. So she said, football season is starting back, and I'm pretty sure you'll feel better. And I was like, man, get out of here. So I'm just thinking about it, and I'm I'm thinking like, damn, you know what? She's right. I really don't even watch anything but (laughs) three channels, CNN, ESPN, and uh, NFL Network. That's it. But I stay abreast, though. So how am I feeling? I'm happy about the season, bro. Good yeah, to be spending this first podcast with you. You know what I mean? The Behind the Mask podcast. Can't wait to talk about some ball, man. Yeah, how you man. feeling, though, my I'm boy? feeling great, man. And, and to piggyback off of what you just said, people always ask us, they say, uh, you know, Tucson, do you miss football? If you do, what do you miss about it? I say I miss football three times a year. One time is during the Super Bowl because as an athlete, we all aspire to get that Super Bowl ring. Right. The second time is free agency, that first day, because you see everybody right. making that money. They're getting paid. You see going across the ticker, you know, this player made millions of dollars. And the third time is week one of the NFL season. That's when all the bogus headlines go away and we just get back to football. There's no more anticipation on is this player going to be with this team? How are they going to fit in? Are they going to be a distraction? Live bullets now. It's time to go. It is live bullets. And this is what I want to ask you because so many people ask. It's like, man, so what is it about week one? Like, what is it about week one that really separates it from all the other weeks? 17-week season. Yeah. Then you go into the playoffs, and if you're good enough, you make it to the Super Bowl. But what is it about week one that you remember that you knew, like, I've made it? Yeah, man. It's like... You know what is that that waiting period? You know, it's almost like if you got a girl, right, that you met for the first time and, and she puts yes, you sir. on that 90-day uh, yes, waiting sir. period or something like that. And, and, and you know, you, you went on the dates and you courted 60 her. 60 or 90 days, though. I mean, according to some uh, radio hosts, it's 90 days, but I, we ain't going to get into that right now. But, you know, they put you on that <laughs> waiting period where you get ahead and, you know, you have to court them, uh, take them on dates and everything. You know, of course, it's all, it's all worth it and it's all worth it. But that first time where you know you're going to get it, that first time, yes, sir. that's what week one is about. That Ooh, first time, baby. Climax. <laughs> that that's, first time. that's how I felt, though. It, it was, I remember being week one, and it's not typical that you'll just see jets flying over your head. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But just standing on the field, and while standing, you hear the national anthem, and as soon as you think it's about to be over, you see the jets come over your head. And sequence, like that's like every time I almost teared up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I got goosebumps. So, for everybody who wants to know what it's like, that's what it's like in a in a just a snippet. But week one, though, the actual games, we had a lot of great games that came up over this past weekend. Uh, the the big one that I really wanted to see that they put a lot of hype on was the Giants. Going yeah. up against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And um, very good game. And I got to, you know, when we look at this matchup, when you talk about Dallas and when you talk about the Giants, NFC East, a lot of history within each other. Both teams hate each other. Everybody hates Dallas because yeah. They're, yeah. they're America's team. So-called America's team. So-called America's team. I didn't play for the New York football Giants. You did. Take me back to that rivalry of – what is it like to play in that game? Because it's one of the oldest rivalries. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, you, you're talking 
historical content. You know, we go back to the age when uh, the age where we grew up. It was the Giants and the Cowboys winning the Super Bowls. You know, so you go back to that, and, and you have uh, the trash talk. You know, guys across the across the line thinking they're the best team. And we talking about the Cowboys, man, America's team. They've been saying that since. I don't know, the dawn of time for football fans. You know what I mean? But they ain't won nothing since the 90s, bro. So you... Can how, you say that again, how, though? You ain't won nothing for the 90s. My son was born in 98. <laughs> He's 21 right now. Cowboys ain't won shit since he, my son was born. How you still America's team? You know, so you, you have all these other teams within that division that, that are rivals that they just don't respect it. And every year, even if you look on any sports talk show right now, they're saying the Cowboys have a chance to win a Super Bowl. The Cowboys have a chance to win a Super Bowl every year. It's a great marketing plan. It's great. I mean, it's, it's awesome to hear, but at the same time, we're looking like, yo, it's the same old Cowboys. You know, they'll, they'll have a flash in the pan. Got some very talented players, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dak, Pres uh, Dak Prescott, got Mark Witten back. But at the end of the day, can they do it for 17 weeks and into the postseason? That remains to be seen. It remains to be seen, and, and you brought up the hot topic Zeke came back, signed a six-year contract extension with the Cowboys, $90 million, uh, $28 million at the time when he signed that, that T at the end. I would have kept that guaranteed. pen. I would have kept that pen, man. <laughs> Woo! It was guaranteed. These guys came into the game. I was very, very surprised at what I saw when I looked at the breakdown of this game. Dak Prescott played out of his mind, yeah. 25 for 32, 405 yards. And that's something I like, I just had to check myself. He threw for over 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, probably, not even probably the best, best game, he yeah. ever yeah. played. Finished his, his QB rating was 158. Yeah. So it was damn near, he was damn pushing close to perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I see this and, and, and people talk about Dak, and, and, and Dak came into the game. He ended up having, uh, not Dak, I'm sorry, Zeke. Zeke only played in 54% of the plays. Uh, 14 touches overall. That's rushing and receiving. 63 yards, finished with a touchdown. Everybody saw that on the highlights. It's good to see that Jerry brought him back. Yeah. Because I truly don't believe the Cowboys would have had this stellar performance if Zeke wasn't in the backfield. Yeah. And this is why. We look at Kellen Moore. He's the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. First time. First time yeah. offensive coordinator. Played in our era. Really didn't do much as a player. So a, a lot of people think, well, when how in the hell he gets the job? <laughs> you know, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But I, I think the big thing is what I was impressed with with this game, by Zeke coming back, the first setup, that Kellen ran out onto the football field was 12 personnel. For the listeners out there, there's two tight ends, one oh, running man. back, yeah. and had Zeke in the backfield. Instantly, you know he's saying, without even saying, I'm going to run this ball down, down your throat. throat. Damn near. Yep. And the thing that I loved about it even more, too, was that he mixed up his personnel groupings from 12 personnel, 11, 10, motion, pre-snap motion, bunch, uh, different personnels to make sure he kept the Giants off base. And that's what I saw throughout the entire game. Curious to get your take on how you saw Dak played and, and, and do you think because Zeke came back, it really opened up more stuff or Dak was just being Dak? No, I think Zeke coming back definitely helped that team. And it was uh, just last week, I believe last Wednesday, when he signed that contract. So now the thing is you have all of that off-season banter, all of that noise from the outside out of the way. You got your star running back back on the team, one of the top running backs in the NFL, if not the the best in terms of production since he's gotten into the NFL. Mm -hmm. So that's all the way out the way. And more importantly, you secured him for the foreseeable future. So you got that out the way. Dak Prescott already said, you know what? I'm not worried about the contract. I'm going to play and get my contract when the time's coming up. So he did a great job in terms of being unselfish in that aspect. Sign a running back. You got your quarterback, two young players, not even anywhere near their prime yet. Nope. Ready to rock. Tough offensive line, one of the best in the league the last few years. And then Zeke comes out, and you know what? As you said, only kept him, uh, only ran him uh, maybe 50-something plays total. No, he played in 54% 50, of the plays. Right. So he didn't even get the full workload that he's going to get going into the season as the season progresses. Jerry Jones said, you know what? We don't want him for week one. We're not worried about that. 
We want it for playoff time. That's when it's going to count. So imagine in your 15-year career, if you had an opportunity to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to just sit out training camp, chill, go to Cabo, kick it on the beach for a little while with the fam, and then come back week one, fresh, ready to play. All you got to do is work the kinks out, get back into We will not be – listen, I wouldn't be sitting here right you now. you still be playing. I'd still be playing with Brady. Because the best you feel the entire football season as an NFL player is the day before training camp starts. Yes. After that, it's Amen. downhill the entire season. T-shots, anti-inflammatories, <laughs> all the shit they pump us with to make us make it through a season. And the T-shots. The T-shots, boy. Listen. The tortoise shots. We used to take those every week. And, it, you know, it was funny. I saw a good friend of mine's, uh, Willie Anderson, mm. all-pro offensive tackle, pro bowler, future Hall of Famer. And he was having some complications in the hospital this over this past weekend. And he was talking about how they came in and brought us some Tordal. Mm. And they was kind of skeptical about trying to administer it to him. And he was like, oh, girl, go ahead and give me this. I yeah. used to take this every week. Yeah. Sometimes even two to three times, times a week. A week yeah. You know, depending on if you take it in the shot or if you're taking a, a pill. And so I, I that taught all, it, it was real stuff. And we always talk about, you know, how are we different here at the Behind the Mask podcast? We're going to give you that insight. That's right. The the, the, the all pills, the ice buckets, the conversations in between the locker room. Everything. Everything that you have to go through to get to that next week. The people don't know. So we got to give them the raw, the real, the uncut. That Torado shot, imagine you walking down the street, any pain you have, you take a shot for that pain, and for the next 48 hours, you don't feel nothing. Oh, you good. You you gravy. You better than good. So you got you got a Dak Prescott, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Ezekiel Elliott that's coming into week one feeling like that. He's going to be fresh for the first four to five games of the season, whereas all the defenses that he's faced – have been grinding for the last month and a half, you know, going through training camp. And so, again, that, that's just going to help Dak Prescott out. That's why he's had the great game that he had week one. Now, you know, he has to make this last throughout the season. Yep. Don't get me wrong. If Dak Prescott set the ceiling with this particular game that he had, he's going to have to do that the rest of the year if the Cowboys want to really make some noise. And, that again, that remains to be seen. We'll see what he can do. But as far as Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott goes, that contract is out the way. He's going to run up over the league this year. I, I, find, I firmly believe that. No, and I, I do I do think both of these guys, before we move off to another note, I definitely think this team is on an upward spiral. And the reason why is because we're seeing them early have so much success yeah. at a high rate on primetime football game. So that's – and then also I would be remiss if we did not mention the shout-out to all of the wide receivers – from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You talk about Randall Cobb, Cooper, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. These guys had over 340 yards receiving, couple of touchdowns. They played big time. And I, I think when you look at this overall and you look at Dak uh, to put a bow on this, I think we're about to see him take off. Yeah. If you look at the way that he passed the football down the field, he only had five completions the other night that didn't even go for over 20 yards. So that tells you the confidence your offensive coordinator has in you, and then it also shows you that the confidence you have in yourself to where you only had five passes that didn't even go 20 yards or further. Yeah. So shout out to the Cowboys as much as it's possible, yeah. I ain't gonna much give as no, possible. I, I don't have no that much out. hate. I only, I'm not going to give them a shout-out. Congratulations on week one. Let's just, just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's 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 move on over though because I want to talk about this young man who a lot of people really didn't give him an opportunity to come into this league and really set it on fire. Yeah. Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens. And I remember when he was at the combine last year, everybody, every sports announcer felt like I'm not sure that he can be a quarterback. And then the next question was. Lamar, are you going to try out for running back? Are you going to try out for wide receiver? Are you going to do different positions? And the beautiful thing that I love what he said, why would I try out for that when I'm a quarterback? I came here to play quarterback, and that's it. He controlled the narrative. You fast forward to yesterday. One year in, yesterday, he played an outstanding game. 
outstanding game going back home. Peep this. He finished the game with 158 QB rating. This is beautiful. 17 of 20 passes for 324 yards, five touchdowns. And he did it in three quarters. Crazy. 59 to 10. Went back home, let everybody saw him playing against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, man. Crazy. So, you know, people jumping on the bandwagon now. But the thing that I see in Lamar Jackson is something that I haven't seen in maybe over 10 years in his prime. And if that prime first started out right here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm talking about Michael Vick. Yeah. And if he continues, now I'll say this, that game he had yesterday, obviously he was in the zone. He probably could have threw it with his eyes closed and still completed a pass. That's what it's like being in the zone as an athlete. But when I see him, and if he continues to even stay three quarters of what he displayed yesterday, what? How do you? How do you see him shaping up going on down down the line? I think, even compared to some of the greats like a Michael Vick, who was like joystick speed, and everybody yeah. else was on Nintendo speed. I think the thing with Lamar Jackson is he doesn't. He can use his legs if need be to escape the pressure, to extend the play, to run, kind of like Michael Vick did. But he ain't have to, and he doesn't want to. He wants to sit in the pocket, and you don't see that from a lot of young quarterbacks that come into the league. To your point, he was talked about as being a wide receiver, a running back. That's that's not a knock necessarily because people see the talent that he has, meaning you can play any position on the field offensively, which is dope. At the same time, he's like, nah, I'm here to play quarterback. That's what I want to do. He went out there through five touchdowns, and if you actually looked at the film from, these, from the game yesterday, he didn't – see his first receiver being covered and as most young quarterbacks do what did tuck he do and, coach what did he do he sat in the pocket went to from his first progression second progression and threw the ball down the field he got hollywood brown out there who was a star in college last year he came in he lit the uh, scoreboard up had two passes uh two receptions i should say over 50 yards for touchdowns so when you have that and you have a, a mark ingram who the ravens also picked up in the offseason the best friend of a young quarterback is a solid running game. Yes, and, and have, why is that? Because you have a running game to take the pressure off of a quarterback. You don't have to rely solely on a quarterback to win the game. Now you have a running a running back that softens up a defense that's a bruiser, Mark Ingram, two-time pro bowler, and now you have a Lamar Jackson that can sit back there and say, you know what, I don't have to win the game. I just got to do what I do what comes naturally. Throw the ball, pick my points, and score. And he did that for five touchdowns yesterday. You see why the Ravens were totally comfortable moving on from a future Hall of, Hall of Fame man, Joe Flacco. You talked about Mark Ingram, the back running back that the very good running back that came from the Saints, New Orleans yeah. Saints. I just thought he added another dynamic, and he was very dynamic yesterday. Fourteen carries, uh, over a hundred yards, two touchdowns. I love how he runs in between the tackles. Yeah. I love how he runs outside of the tackles, but the element that remains to be seen, which I think will be brought up in the next few weeks, is how you pair him with Lamar Jackson on running sets and then implement the Wildcat formation. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just totally think that's going to mess a lot of defensive teams up. I remember going back, playing against, I tell you, a guy who gave us a lot of trouble. Um. Uh, Randall Yeah, Antoine Randall Antoine yep. Randall playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Playing against him in Cincinnati, Buffalo. He would come into the game and we just, we you know the scouting report, coach tell you the beginning of the week. Hey, do not sleep on this guy. He used to be a quarterback. Guess what happened? He comes out on the football field. Yeah, that wildcat Lines up point. at wildcat formation. We look at each other. God damn, coach did say he was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you be, then you're like, come on, dog. You, you forgetting about the checks. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, I'm saying is, I remember that vividly, even to this day. And when you look at the opportunity for this Baltimore Ravens team that always plays very sound defense, but when you look at them being able to come together as a legitimate running tandem team, I think about the Atlanta Falcons yeah. when they had Michael Vick. Warwick Dunn. Warwick Dunn. Yeah. Warwick Dunn. T.J. Deckett, yeah. you know, um, um, Michael, uh, God, came from uh, San Diego. Bennett. Well, not Bennett. Not Michael Bennett, but um, 
Ah, he's come back to <laughs> But, you know, when you got a group of guys who can come in and pose that threat, yeah. you can win football games and Absolutely. you can win it for a long period of time. I think the Atlanta Falcons uh, showed that. Yeah, and then the Ravens, again, if they want to get back to, you know, the prominence they had when they were going deep in the playoffs, winning Super Bowls, that's what they're going to need. They're gonna, And they did it with a Joe Flacco, young Joe Flacco, um, that didn't necessarily win the games for them. He just managed the games. But now you have a whole nother dynamic. You still got a stellar, solid defense. You have a tough running game. And now you got a quarterback that can actually do a little bit more. You're poised to make a, a, a deep playoff run. So if he can keep this up with that running game that they have, man, there's no telling what they can do. All right. We got we can't we got to talk about the Dolphins. They really didn't have any highlights to nah, talk about. They they, they and every, you know what? Real quick, you can't really just base a whole season off of one game. It's only week one, right? So we talk about the, the, the Cowboys early. We talked about the Cowboys early. We talking about the Ravens. If they did what they did yesterday, great. But you can still go one and fifteen. Let's right. not forget. And I was on a team that went two and fourteen. <laughs> that's what's, and that's that season hurt. I still remember that shit. <laughs> I still remember it. But to your point, yes, you can go one and fifteen. My question to you is this: I'm on Twitter Sunday during the game. Yeah. I'm on Twitter Sunday night, Monday morning after the game. I saw the same report on Twitter that surfaced during, right after the game, right after they played. And that report said several Miami Dolphins were furious at their agent and had their agent to call the front office because they, requesting, they are requesting a trade. After one week? After, that's what I said. After I said week. after one week? So... And even if it's remotely true, let's say if it's six guys did it, but only two or three really did it. What? Man, that's cancer inside of the locker yeah, that's room. that's terrible. That's, that, and I don't really believe in off-the-field distractions. I think that when you get between the lines that, you know, you have a job to do and everybody's going to do their job, even as an offensive lineman, if we didn't particularly care for a quarterback, we were not going to block. We were not going to not block for that quarterback because – our job and our money's on the line. You know what I'm saying? You can't put bad film out there. But for one week, if the Dolphins as a whole put some terrible film out there, like no coach is going to sit there and say, you know what, we want everybody from this Dolphins defense. Y'all look like trash, straight up and down. So if you – sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror. They were trash. You know what I'm saying? You got to look yourself in the mirror. The honest guy don't lie and say, what, what can I do to get better? Walking away, tucking your tail, running, that ain't the answer. You got to bow up and do something next week because – that that was some that was some. Would you say that that was piss poor, coach? Yeah, it was it was it some was horse dog shit. shit. Horse it, shit. That's it what was horse shit. <laughs> but this is my thing. For you, even as a player, to even say something after week one, right after the game, and it's still surfacing after the game. It I I just go, it goes back to what's the most important piece of a football team when you build it at what position the quarterback. Yeah, and so I just Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's a great serviceable player. I don't think you can re- rely on him and lean on him the entire season. I mean, the track record proves that. Yeah. I don't want to be Captain Obvious over here. <laughs> but what I will say is this. It's very disappointing knowing that you got a guy who's backing him up who went the number one pick in the draft last year yeah. with Josh Rosen. And so when I see that, it just takes me back because – Somebody asked me during the game, I was at, at the, the Chargers game, and somebody said, like, how is it to be on, play on a bad team? Like, are you, do you just try to tank and get the number one draft pick? And I just looked, and I, I wanted to slap him. Like, what you think? <laughs> we all plan for something because it's all resume. Yeah. But it, I remember going through that 2-14 and 14 season. I remember having a 4-12 and 12 season. Yeah. And, and the things that I remember most is, you know, I was fortunate enough to be on close teams that we were just bad. But the culture is bad. And usually yeah. when it's that bad like that, this one thing I will say, it's the quarterback position. And yeah. I guarantee you nobody believes in the quarterback position for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. We had one together in 06 with uh with the Bills. We had a <laughs> we had a quarterback at J.P. Lossman that nobody really believed in. And as you said, you go into that season – 
And each game, as you're going into the game, you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to take on the next task. We're going to win. But something happens in that game where the, the, the whole sideline is just like, oh, shit, here we go yeah. again. The same old stuff. And then it just goes downhill after that. So, yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, same old Dolphins as far as it looks like to me. Same old Dolphins, Since, since right? we played, same yeah. old Dolphins. Now, to our last topic, it's imperative that we talk about. The reason why we're together right here today is because we always have that real talk, the behind-the-mask talk. So my question to you is, not even a question. Let me I have to frame this not only for you but for our listeners and viewers out there. Antonio Brown's situation, or should I say the Antonio Brown saga. Everybody knows he was upset in Pittsburgh. Him and Ben was going back and forth. I remember the incident in the locker room. After the game, after they won the big, I want to say it was a playoff game, he decides to get on Facebook Live and record the locker room, room, which is very sacred. Now, when I look, you know, you you fast forward, okay, they get into it. He gets traded. Let me take you on these timeline of, of events. March 10th, he gets traded to Oakland for a third and fifth round pick. August the 7th, well, training camp started on the 31st of July. August the 7th, he shows up for camp, or because he was in camp, he went to a cryotherapy place. For whatever reason, frostbite on his feet. He couldn't practice. So for the pretty entire month of August, he was out. Then you go back to mid-August the 14th. He said he had a problem with his helmet. He wanted to wear an old helmet that he used to wear. But it wasn't sanctioned by the league because of player safety. So, therefore, he filed a grievance on it and had to wait on it. August the 12th, he returned to practice after holding out. Out of all of that time, when he finally got everything worked out with his helmet. August the 18th, their general manager, Mike Mayock, called him out for missing practices. Not showing up to meetings. He got fined. At that time, the public did not know. Then fast forward to August the 20th. He finally got his helmet situation corrected. He was given a year grace period to phase out the old helmet. While he was given that grace period, he made another appeal. So it kept him out again. Fast forward to September the 4th. He missed training, missed all the training yeah. camp now. Chooses a Zenith Shadow helmet, which some reports out there are saying he, he was, it was a marketing ploy yeah. for him to be able to take advantage of that. Then after that on the 4th, he posted fines from him missing practice and the letter that was written to him from his general manager. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. And that is not the general manager's voice. (laughs) 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 But he posts, listen, he posts it now. And after he posts it, on that letter it said he was fined $54,000 for missed practice. He put it on Instagram. The next day, no, later that day, he sees Mike Mayock, goes up to Mike Mike Mayock, his general manager, and confronts him, yells out curse words. Are these reports or are these facts? These are facts. Okay. And not only does he does he confront him, he calls Mike Mayock a cracker. Then, two days later, A day later, he makes an apology to his team. Then he comes out with an apology that was, fuck, fuck, no, you don't owe me anything. You don't need to apologize to me. But he apologizes to the fans and to the public. On the 6th, he practiced, and Gruden came out and said, everything is behind us, he will play. 
the next day, Antonio Brown asked for his release in an IG post from when he went from previous days to talk with John Gruden about his situation. And John Gruden, it's all on IG. Follow him. You'll see it everywhere. (laughs) So he records the conversation, which a lot of people say is it's illegal in the state of California. Yes, California is not a consent state. Well, you have to be a consent. You have to have consent. So after all of the fines, after all of this buffoonery, He's fined over 200 grand. And not only is he fined over 200 grand because of what he did by posting that, it turned into conduct detrimental, which voided his 29 million of guarantee from being on the roster the first week of the season. Mm. So we all know how it ended up when he was in Pittsburgh. And, you know, my thing is, before before I even get into my take, it's so many angles you can look at this. You can look at it from, you know, I've even had some people say, dang, so he called, he called, he called a white man a cracker. Now, what you think if the white man would have turned around and used the N-word? Right. And my response was, white man probably wouldn't get out of that building on some real talk. You know what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. So I do believe in accountability on both sides. But I guess I want to ask you, and we can come back to more details in the grit, but if you see a guy like this, and let's say you're on Oakland's team, Mm -hmm. and you see him coming and you see the smoke, because we were always taught, Son, wherever you see smoke, right below it is fire. <laughs> fire yeah. Do you embrace this young man? Do you embrace him when he comes in? How do you even look at, how do you accept him part of your culture that you're trying to build on this Oakland Raiders team after you saw your head coach get rid of one of the best players that will ever play the game in Khalil Mack? And he was a prompt, he was the the epitome of what you want. As a father, brother, son, husband, how do you? What do you do? Do you embrace the situation, or, or do you just say, you know what? Let me just take some time to look at it. I think, I think there's two sides to this whole Antonio Brown saga, right? The side that you just spoke of. So you're speaking from the side of coaches, uh, general managers, general manager, excuse me, team ownership. So as a player you know that there's always that second side to the story. So it's the flip side. It's the side of the player that says, you know what? We on Hard Knocks. In our era, Hard Knocks just came out. The locker room was sacred. You're saying it is sacred. It isn't, it isn't sacred anymore. That's, that's, that's facts. They bring cameras in like the cameras are watching us. They bring cameras in to Even document. when you naked, too, because I almost swung on somebody one time. <laughs> I'm drying my, my back off, and I feel something cold touch my damn hamstring. Yeah, man. So, and I'm looking back, and I'm like, bro. It, it ain't sacred no more, man. It's a whole different generation that we, we're kind of we, entering, right? Yeah. So my, my, my point, first of all, don't get me wrong. I'm not the type of person that will sit there and record everything or send everything to Facebook or send everything to a a social media post to let everybody see all the intricacies of my life and my profession. That ain't what it's about. But, but on Antonio Brown's side, how you going to tell me that I can't post the same conversation and the same shit that I got going on, but you can have HBO or whatever social, uh, whatever um, um, media platform post everything and you can script the narrative. You can script it, but I can't say anything about it. We got a partner that uh that we we was you know was cool with, Rod Rod Gardner, Rod G. Yeah. He was on one of the first hard knocks. They put him out there because he was a wide receiver. And I, I will go on record saying all, if not most, wide receivers are divas. They that are. said that's, that he that's would that's a, that's a fact. That's fact. That he wouldn't do a certain thing. He wouldn't play on special teams or whatever. And now he was out the league after that. Because he wouldn't, you know, take it uh, accept his role. So now you got an Antonio Brown coming out here and they saying, okay, you got to conform to this, this, that. He's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So why can you put me on camera saying what you want to say about me, but I can't do it? So on that side, 
I side with him. The antics that he puts out on so, on social media, I'm yeah. not with that. There's no need for that. You know what I mean? But to answer your question, as a player, you have one of the top five receivers in the league today. Probably top three. Top three. I probably I top, top three. three. Probably top three receivers in the yeah. league today. So if you have that player coming to your team, you almost have to give him a chance if you are lacking in that area in a wide receiver position and you feel that can help you make a playoff run and possibly get to the Super Bowl. Now, the Steelers, they were tired of it. He was there for several years. They were done with it. Right? Raiders, Gruden, let's let's be clear. John Gruden, the Raiders. They have been taking outcasts in the league for years. It is what it is. Yeah. Go through the laundry list of players that they've they've signed after they 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 got Vontez Burfick, I believe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's had fines, probably led the league in fines the last two years. He might be pushing over three quarters of a million dollars. That's what I'm saying. So you got they they accept players that have a side, they give players a second chance, a third chance. You know what I'm saying? So if you go into a team when A.B. is coming through that door, and you're like, you know what? We got one of the best receivers in the league. You have to take that chance. Now, if he if he steps on toes and, and Fs up, yo, you got to get rid of him. But the thing of it is, he voided that contract, found his way out, lost $30 million, Yeah. Right? Right. And now we're talking about what happened. He got signed by the Patriots. Everybody says, as you said. Less than 24 hours. Less than 24 hours. Picked him up. Got 10, 9, 10 million guaranteed. And then the reports came out after that saying, you know what? If he stays another year, basically if he does what he has to do, stays on the right side of the fence, so to speak, he'll get another 20, minutes, 20 million. So he'll get that 30 million right back. All right, you got to be a plum fool to walk away from 30 million. You have to be. But if you walk away from 60 million, you's a dumbass. <laughs> you, don't even, you, don't even, you don't need to be in the league no more, bro. Because, you know, he's saying it's not about the money. He said that when he left Pittsburgh. It's not about the money. It's about the freedom. So it's about what's worth that individual player. Maybe it's more than money from, for him. He said he has 39 in the bank. It ain't about the money. He wants the freedom. He wants to be able to sit there and tell his story how he wants to tell it. So if that worth is more than the dollar signs they throwing at you, how you going to be mad at that man? If he f- fulfills his duty on the field and does what you want to do as the Patriots when they sign these players, Randy Moss, Chad Ochocinco, receivers, divas, Yep. you know what I'm saying? They signed him. You're going to get one or two things. You're going to get the, the, the Randy Moss that put a record-setting numbers, almost 100 receptions, almost uh, 1,500 yards, 23 touchdowns, or you're going to get the Chad Ocho single that only had 15 catches in 15 games. I guess Bill Belichick gambling in the dice and hoping he gets the Randy Moss production with Tom Brady, with a story history, with six Super Bowls since we've been in the league. I'm gambling for that. Clearly, for a billionaire, 10 million ain't nothing. What you going to lose? If he's going in one year, what's going to happen? Chad Ochocinco was going in one year. What happened? We ain't think nothing about him. You ain't remember his last year in the league. I know you don't. And that was your former teammate. Randy Moss put up the numbers. They ain't win the Super Bowl. Nobody talking about that. So if you got an opportunity to put a player in a position that will help you get back to another Super Bowl, particularly when you lost one of the best tight ends of all time yep. and Rob Gronkowski great, great, that we talked about great before. Great addition. Right? Yep. You got to gamble that dice. And again, for a billionaire, $10 million ain't nothing but a drop in the bucket. So answer your question. I'm welcoming it, welcoming, welcoming him in, and hopefully he can do what he has to do to help us win some games. Even if you're with the Patriots, you're welcoming him in. I hate the Patriots, but I'm welcoming, <laughs> welcoming him in. Yes, but that's it's another dynamic to that, and this is the dynamic. If you if you were on the Patriots team a week prior, and you see all of this going, all yeah. of this stuff going on, your thoughts are, man, this dude is an idiot. That's a fact. What what the hell is he doing? And then when he comes over, he has the opportunity to comes over. Fam, that ain't got nothing to do with us. That's that's management. That's in the that's, past. That's, that, no 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 no. That's up. That's upstairs. So so to, to let the listeners know, the locker room was sacred. You know what I mean? Between the players, it is sacred. Hell, if if social media was out heavy when you and I were playing, it's a lot of stuff that you know say what went on that we can't even talk about to this day. But. What happens in the locker room amongst the players is supposed to stay amongst the players. But when it goes upstairs, that's a decision that upstairs make, meaning the general managers, the personnel people, the ownership of that particular team. We ain't got nothing to do with that. We can't control who they sign and who they don't sign. So guess what? They bring them in. What you going to say? You know what? 
All right, there's a quick slant to Antonio Brown right now. I'm an offensive lineman. I have to cut down this defender, this, this defender because if I don't cut him down, his hands are going to be up. The quick slant, Tom Brady's going to throw the three-step uh, three drop, get the ball out quick. If the defender has his hands up, he'll block it because it's literally five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cut him down because, you know what, he's been doing some bullshit on other teams. What am I going to not do my job? Welcome that, because guess what? If he if he catches a three yard slant, he can take it to the house. We can win the game, and, and at the end of the day, know. we want to win. And players side with players for the majority of the time. So for me, I'm saying, yo, come on. But guess what? You got to do what you got to do, or we ain't gonna fuck with you. I tell you this though, this is real talk. Now, if I'm on the other side, and I'm playing with Oakland, I'm excited. I know we have an opportunity to stretch the field. Dynamic player already has proven that. I'm waiting for training camp to come so we can jail together. I need to know more about him. I need to know what makes him tick. I want to go behind your mask and see what continues to drive you day in and day out, knowing that you were a a six-round pick. Now, this is where, you know, I've, I've read through the timeline of events with the helmet. And I get it, player safety. I'm not going to compromise that. I was I sat on part of the board who was pushing that before I got out of the league. Where it becomes funny or flagrant to me, when you go back to Oakland and you look at Gruden called all the team captains in there, and he asked, he said, guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, what do you think? You know, you know what you think about what's all going on. How do you perceive it? And what do you think if I do X, Y, or Z? All of his team captains replied to him and said this, end quote, we're down with whatever you decide. So when you got your captains not taking ownership after the coach gives you a silver plate with ownership on it, and you say, you know what, coach? Thanks. You got it. But I'll let you have it, whatever you want to do. That's, that is where I have to draw the line in the sand, even for me as a player if I'm on Oakland's team. Because now you're playing with my time. And we all compensated for what we do very generously, and we earned every penny of it. But if you're not willing to go through what I'm going through or to put your ego aside, I felt like he made it plain and clear at that point, man, this dude don't want to be here. So fast forward, boom, he's gone. Less than a day later after he was released, now he's with the New England Patriots. Now, one thing I will tell you about this, you get a lot of people, they was like, man, he went over there, he got 10, 15 million. Hey, Settle down, Robin Hood. Settle down. <laughs> he really didn't get that. Let's wait until we get the All reports. Right. Me, listen, it's free money when it comes to Bill, Bill Belichick. He doesn't have to put up anything. I can offer you a bonus, but it's going to come in the structure of behavior-based to where you can't get it until if you do it this week, I'm going to have another two, 300000 for you. If you stay out of the media, I'm going to do it this way. And that's exactly, I guarantee you, I still haven't seen it. Haven't seen or saw any of the reports yet. But if I guarantee you, he put everything and all of that in that contract. That language, yeah. That language. And so now, if I'm on that team, this is where it's different. (laughs) Because me, I've always felt like in order to communicate with my teammates, my brothers, like you have to know them. Like, you can't just assume. You have to know them. And so when I look at the culture of how it's established in New England, a player's not going to have to deal with that because it's not going to get down to a player's positioning or on his table. And so Bill is just going to say, either you do this, A, B, C, D. If you don't, it ain't going to be no discussion, bro. You out of here. I do. Listen, I I love Bill Belichick because of two things. One, he treats everybody fair. 
may not treat you the same, but he'll treat you fair. And two, he, he, he will let you know exactly what I expect. Regardless of who you are, what you've accomplished, Tom Brady, I still will undress you in front of this team, and you're going to take it. And so that's why I don't feel like when we talk about, oh, well, he's going to get over there and do the same thing. No, he won't. Not at all. Now, my side to it is this. Because I'm not his teammate, and even if I was his teammates, I would share some of the same sentiments that you've shared. But I want to be clear and let this be known. I hate what he's doing, and I hate the way that he's going about doing it. The reason why is this. A.B., you, you, bro, you from Florida. Like, I've heard you talk about many things. You and I have, have had conversations on how you want to change where you come from. Essentially, if you do that, you have the opportunity to change your generations who are coming up behind you. But what you're dis- displaying, what you're saying consistently, and then making a mockery out of people, man, there's too many young black kids coming behind you. Like, that's that's me. Like, bro, somebody help you to get to this point. Now, what are you doing to help the next man? Because regardless of whatever you're doing, you're throwing a ladder down. And you got a bodyguard at the end of that ladder. And what you're displaying, whether or not it doesn't, it's not coming out as I'm, I'm, since I made it, I'm going to reach back and bring one with me. Well, your bodyguard at the bottom of that ladder is displaying the same attitude you're displaying. So if you're displaying selfish, if you're displaying this is all about me, it's my time, if you're displaying, hey, hey long as AB got it, man, I ain't really worried about nobody else. Your bodyguard is going to attract that same energy down at the bottom. And he's only going to let up the same kids. So my point is, I'm saying is this, whether you like it or not, you are an influence. Yeah. You're an influencer. And if you know you have the ability to change the narrative, it used to be a point in time to where we did not have the opportunity to control the narrative. Thank God to social media. Thank God to Twitter. Thank God to all of these outlets that have came up. Thank God to Behind the Mask Podcast. <laughs> and you killing us. And so when I look at this, A.B., it's, 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 it's disheartening. Because, bro, like, even though you come from Florida, I come from rural, rural county of Georgia. Man, our story is the same. We both came from nothing. We came from, we came from biblical beliefs. Somebody prayed over us, and they said, if anything, I got to give my kid an opportunity to be able to go out and win and, 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 and change his opportunity and his circumstances. And that's what I hate about what I see from him, is that you're killing us. Yeah. You're killing us. And a lot of times, you know we always say it, most times when things like this happen, it's like, damn. Now this brother's sending the black man back 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Over stuff that you know you could do even better. But that's just my take on it, bro. That, that's just hold on. Let me let me sit my Go ahead and here's the my, hot sauce. Here's my two cents. I'm hundred percent with you in the way you're approaching it. I totally agree with you. Again, I always do the flip side, the, the devil's advocate. So, with that being said, we talk about all the time how NFL players have the worst CBA in terms of the big three sports, in terms of basketball, the NBA, MLB, Major League Baseball, and the NFL, football, professional football, right? MLB, guaranteed contracts. NBA, guaranteed contracts. NFL just started doing guaranteed contracts. AB said, you know what? If you guys are going to find me and void my guaranteed money, I'm not playing with y'all. So now you're putting the, you're putting the, uh, you're putting the, I guess, the weight of this contract back into the uh, team ownership's hands, right? You said, you know what, it's guaranteed. That means that whatever I do is guaranteed that I'm going to get this money that I signed for because you believe that I was this type of player to garner this amount of money. 
But team ownership said, nah, there's a loophole in it. It's guaranteed, but it's not really guaranteed. We're going to say it's guaranteed, but no, not really. So now guess what? It's right back into the team ownership side in terms of we don't have to give you this money. We don't have to give you the money that we said we were going to give you. Who fault is that? I mean, it's, it's definitely the players' fault for signing that contract. Ah! <laughs> don't get me wrong. But Go! what I'm saying is, the whole <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the players' it's the fault. Players for it. don't, it's the players' fault. It's 100% the players' fault. You don't just dis- listen. The, you- the, the narrative and the rhetoric has been said, okay, this guaranteed money is yours regardless. But that's not the case. So if, if, if we having this conversation, we say, you know what? We're doing behind the mask podcast. Guarantee you we're going to do X, Y, Z. But if one thing happens, ah, that guarantee, we're not doing it no more. You're going to look at me like, two man, that's, that's fucked up. So, you know, I just look at the other side of of the spectrum in terms of how it all played out. Again, I would never put my my uh, my in the most sacred uh, uh, stuff on social media for everybody to see. It ain't about that. But again, it's a different generation. A.B. is a different breed when it comes to receivers. I do believe the majority of receivers are divas. It is what it is. You know, they they always play second fiddle to that quarterback. If a quarterback says uh, the media says the quarterback threw for 78 yards, but he really threw a 10 yard pass. And then the receiver ran for 68 yards. It's really just a 10-yard pass. It's not a 78-yard touchdown. Let's be clear. You know what I'm saying? So receivers always play second fiddle. A.B.'s playing second fiddle. He needs that attention. But in New England, he won't be getting that attention because it's all about Tom Brady. It is all about Tom Brady. And um, I do wish him well. Yeah. I'm going to let you know my personal thought just because it's affecting. Listen, A.B. is super big. Huge. But I know other kids yeah. collectively are even way bigger than him. Respect. And I want him to understand his influence. You know what I mean? Respect. Respect. That's legacy. That's Respect. legacy, what we always talk about, man. But great talk on the Behind the Mask podcast. My man. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to next week where real talk happens. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to give my two cents. And what comes up, comes out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.